It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Get as much into a pension before the budget changes bite, even if you're earning less than £150,000. Be wary of high share dividends if they're not paid in pounds. And if you really want to escape 50% tax next year, where can you go? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Charlene Goff. Hello. Lucy Warwick-Ching. Hello. Steve Lodge. Hello. And our special studio guest, Tom McPhail, Head of Pensions Research at Hargreaves Lansdowne. Hello. So, with Tom in the studio, let's start with pensions. Last week's budget arguably achieved the opposite of the government's stated aim in 2006, simplification. It has added new lower rates of tax relief, new rules and new complications. As reported in FT Money, the proposed changes to the pension rules due in April 2011 will reduce the top rate of tax relief for those earning more than £150,000 and will cap total tax relief at 20% for those earning more than £180,000. And it could even make an employer's contribution to a pension scheme a taxable benefit on employees. But from right now, additional rules will prevent anyone who makes annual contributions, such as the self-employed and partners in professional firms, from getting 40% tax relief on any more than £20,000 worth of contributions a year. Uh, Steve, it seems that the Chancellor is determined to limit or possibly even scrap tax relief on pension contributions. So who could be next? Well, Matthew, it could be you and uh, Tom and then somewhere after, presumably me. Um, experts or, or there is speculation out there in the marketplace that why stop at 150? Why not bring it down to 100? Or why does anyone get 40% tax relief? Tom, what do you think? Uh, well, we've seen the sort of catastrophic state of the government's books now, and they're trying to save money wherever they can. Now, the principle with pensions used to be that you received tax relief at the same rate as you were paying on your income tax. And the idea was that your contributions were exempt from tax, your investment growth was exempt from tax, but then you paid tax on the benefits, what's known as EET. Really, last week, the government drove a truck through that, and they said, look, we don't care what rate of income tax you're paying. In fact, we're going to put it up. Um, what, this is the limit to your tax relief on your pension contributions, and that's it. Now, that, 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 was, that was a milestone event. You know, they, they've, they've, they've fundamentally changed the rules. So after this, where are they going to go next? Are they going to look at people earning 100000 Or what about 50000 You know, Why should we stop here? We're short of money. Why are we giving you this extra money to save for tomorrow? 
let's pay you less. And why 2011? Why not start us in 2010? Uh, we have a pre-budget report coming up later this year. Who knows where they're going to next go next? You know, they're de- desperately slamming all the doors as quickly as they can. Um, there's no certainty they're going to stop now. But we do have an election over next year as well. So. Is that going to make it less likely that they're going to hit every higher rate taxpayer in the country? It's interesting. You can look at the numbers. There are around 300,000 people earning over £150,000. There are further, roughly, 300,000 people earning between one hundred and 150,000. So, you know, they might take a political calculation that we can afford to lose another 300,000 votes if we have to. If, 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 so let's bring it down to 100,000, for example. And, and then it becomes more of a political than an economic consideration as to how many people you're willing to upset to try and balance the books. Well, let's shift back to what we do know now, though. Um, what are the what are the wheezes that you've identified since the budget to help these people, these poor people earning over 150 grand, to continue to get great big fat pensions? There are a couple of wrinkles there, and I think if if you're just over the 150,000, then this is going to be interesting because if you earn between 150 and 170 you can use pension contributions themselves to reduce your assessable income. If you, make, if you earn 160 and you pay £10,001 into a pension, that brings you down below the £150,000 threshold, and at that point, the rules no longer apply. At that point, you can stick another 100000 into a pension this year and next year, if you like. You've got a window between 150 and £170,000 where you can put up to 20000 in a pension, and that means you're, you're then exempt from the rules. The forestalling rules don't apply to you. You can use charitable donations in the same way. You can make a donation to charity, and that will bring your assessable income down below 150. And if these very high earners, or notwithstanding the wheezes you pointed out, but if these high earners are going to find it hard to fund pensions so strongly in future, I mean, presumably this means they might turn back to things like buy to let, which of course is very tax advantaged in this country. I think going forward, there's going to be a lot of reassessment going on. I mean, it's interesting. You look at the disparity between the income tax rates and capital gains tax, 18%. I wouldn't bet against that one being next on the Chancellor's hit list. So, yes, we've got some interesting new anomalies. For the very high earners, pension funding still makes sense, but I can see that other things are going to start to look more attractive. And, Tom, can I just ask very quickly, um, this consultation on making the employer's contribution to your pension scheme, a taxable benefit on you, the employee, um, that could have quite serious implications if it comes in in 2011. The numbers involved are very, very big. So for a high earner, you're going to go from a situation where paying into a pension is a benefit to you, reduces your tax bill, to a point where your employer contributions, which could be running into tens of thousands of pounds, particularly if you're a member of a final salary scheme, is going to load an extra 10, 15, 20,000 pounds onto your tax bill every year. That's not going to go down well. I think that's going to cause problems. It's going to cause company directors to rethink their whole company pension scheme strategy. So a further attack on the existence of company pensions. Absolutely. I'm sure it's not what the Chancellor intended. It's going to undermine pension provision generally, though. Thanks, Tom, and uh, thanks, Steve. And for more on what you can do now to get pension contributions with full tax relief, look out for Steve's story in FT Money with The Weekend FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. Remember that you can also send in your pension and tax questions to be answered by our experts by emailing us at our address money at ft.com. Still to come, the wealthy say they'll leave the UK rather than pay 50% tax, but where in the world can they go? 
But first, shared evidence. Um, Lucy, income investors uh, may have been pleased to see some fairly big dividend increases announced recently. Yes, Matthew. Um, investors with savings don't need reminding that interest rates are close to zero and that income from savings accounts has all but disappeared. But those of you that are turning to high-yielding shares for greater returns should be aware that some of those dividend increases are not actually sustainable. Exclusive research undertaken by The Motley Fool for the Financial Times has revealed inconsistencies in the figures for the dividend of some companies. So I spoke to David Quo, director at The Motley Fool, about the issues surrounding some high-yielding shares. David, what has your research thrown up? Well, Lucy, I mean, first of all, I have to say that increasingly more people are looking at dividends because, as you mentioned earlier on, bank account interest rates are now almost zero. So consequently, they understand what dividends are. It is the part of the profits that the companies pay to shareholders. But what we found, and I think people should be aware of this, is that Many of the companies that are apparently paying very high yields, in other words, a very high dividend compared to the share price, uh, many of these dividends are in dollar terms rather than in sterling. So consequently, when the pound is low, it gives the impression that they're earning a lot of money. But in reality, they may not be if sterling were to rise and those dollars are converted at an inconvenient time for them. Okay, and um, and can you give me an example just so that we can really understand what this means? Okay, I mean, take for instance BP, which had results fairly recently. They have uh, maintained the dividend payout in the first quarter of this year with the fourth quarter of last year. Now, in reality, therefore, um, BP is unlikely to be increasing its dividend throughout the whole of 2009. But when you have a look at uh, the dividends when it is converted into sterling, because BP pays in dollars, it gives the impression that BP is increasing its dividend by as much as 40%, when in reality it isn't. Its dividend has actually been maintained at the same level as last year. But for shareholders, they're actually benefiting from a higher payment. Is that right? So actually, in reality, once the dividend is converted into sterling, they do actually get a slightly higher payment. Well, right up to a point, because, I mean, last year the the dollar to sterling conversion rate was about 2 to 1, whereas at the moment it's about 1.45, dollars to the pound. So consequently, you are getting more. But what would happen if uh, sterling were to rise? What happens if on that particular dividend payment date it is not convenient for you? Sterling were to actually rise appreciably on that date. Then you would suddenly find that what you are actually getting is less than what you thought you were getting. Another thing to remember is that uh, when you have a look at these figures, it gives the impression that the company is increasing its dividend by as much as, say, 38 or 40 percent. That could give the impression that there is underlying strength in the business. But in reality, there is no underlying strength in the business because BP's profits fell 60%. How can a company that has reported a 60% fall in profits increase its dividend by 38%? And these are things that should set alarm bells ringing in people's, uh, people's heads. Is there anything else that investors should be aware of when they're actually buying high-yielding shares? Well, I think, you know, apart from the currency conversion itself, people should also be aware of um, whether or not the company's um, dividend cover is sufficient. In other words, is the company able to continue paying the kind of uh, dividend yields that you are seeing? And if not, again, you know, that's the the, the second alarm bell that should be uh, ringing in people's heads, and the people should take a little bit more care about that. One way around it would be to buy a whole basket of of shares and try and sort of spread your risk accordingly by um, diversifying. That was Lucy talking to David Quo of the Motley Fool website. And finally today, tax havens. Uh, None of us, uh, apart from possibly 
Tom, is wealthy enough to worry about the new 50% tax rate. But if you are, you might be thinking about joining the supposed exodus of high earners. Uh, Charlene, are the tax advisors that you're speaking to really expecting people to flee the UK? Well, actually, Matthew, I think this had already been on the agenda of some high earners. We've seen a new non-domicile charge come in, um, either £30,000 a year or having to pay tax on their worldwide income. Uh, So that has sort of started the ball rolling, and some advisors are saying that for some high earners this could be another nail in the coffin and and another incentive to leave the UK. I mean, it's not as simple as it sounds. There are a lot of issues to bear in mind, um, and it's not just the tax savings. You've got to take into account the cost of living, how easy it is to do business in some of these places. But there are now a number of jurisdictions, traditional tax havens and not-so-traditional tax havens, that are looking quite favourable compared with the UK now. And, and which are the um, perhaps less likely destinations that you've come across in your research? Well, I think the Far East is emerging as a very popular area. Uh, Singapore, Dubai, Hong Kong, they all have extremely favourable tax regimes. Uh, nil rate tax, some, some of them, and I think Singapore... Um, particularly will only only charge tax on the income earned in the country. So if you can move there and leave your assets in the UK earning you income, you're, you're only taxed on money that you earn within, within Singapore. So particularly good if you, you're already retired, for instance, and you can go over there and live the high life and not have to worry about paying tax. Uh, Australia as well is quite a favourable place to retire if you can. Um, and then, you know, parts of Europe, uh, Germany, I think, is looking more favourable than the UK now. Um, perhaps an easier place to move your business. And then you've got the more traditional places like the Channel Islands, um, Switzerland and Monaco. So, Tom, uh, are your colleagues going to be heading to uh, the Channel Islands or to Singapore, do you think? I I can tell you I've spoken to some people who are really quite cross about this situation. And I think what's worrying is that it's the, it's the entrepreneurs who are perhaps the people in their 50s or their 60s who are still working because they enjoy it. They're the ones who are going to say, look, actually, at this rate, I've had enough. And many of them live fairly international lives anyway. And they like going to Monaco and the Channel Islands and to Singapore. And I think those are the ones that we are going to lose. Well, I think Monaco's an interesting one because it's so expensive when you get there. I think there was one example of someone who whose uh, fee for their estate agent just about covered the tax savings. You know, it's, it's really difficult to kind of go and you have to be extremely wealthy to make it worth your while somewhere like that. Others you can get access to a lot easier um, and set up there. You don't have to be hugely wealthy. Well, but I think, I think Monaco has the attraction of, I think you can fly to EasyJet, on EasyJet to very close to Monaco and I'm not saying this is an attraction, but I believe the Isle of Man, until recently at least, gave public flogging. So to a certain entrepreneur, it might be uh, appealing to tootle off there. Well, that's exactly it. You've got to weigh up the advantages of these, these places and also slightly more practical considerations. Like if you've got children, where will they go to school? International schooling can be very expensive. You know, Can you do business there? Have you got relatives back in the UK? Will you be able to 
afford to travel a few times a year from the Far East back to the UK. And, and obviously there are also some quite tight rules surrounding uh, what you can do or what you have to leave behind to qualify as a non-resident. You can only come back to the UK for 90 days a year and you know the kind of rules are uh, extremely strict so you break those and you've, you've given up all of the advantages of moving. So lots of factors not just the tax rate uh, to take into consideration so uh, thanks for that Charlene and uh, uh, again Tom and you can read uh, uh, Charlene's article explaining the differential rates of tax and these other practical considerations in FT Money in this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. But that's all for this week's FT Money show. Remember that you can find all the latest uh, post-budget analysis on our special website at ft.com forward slash your budget. And you can also send in your questions to our email address money at ft.com. And don't forget, we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. In the meantime, you can read the latest news every weekday on our website, ft.com forward slash money, and listen to audio podcast updates throughout the week. But until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from Charlene, Lucy, Steve, and Tom McPhail from Hargreaves Lansdowne. Goodbye. Goodbye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.